I'm Jeff Smith and welcome to The Secrets of Success. Throughout my life, I've been fascinated by one single question, and it's how do successful people become successful? What is it that makes that big difference in our lives? Over the last 40 years, I've interviewed rich people, famous people, and many millionaires to find out their secrets of success, and my aim is to share their secrets here with you. Of course, success is not always measured in money, and in these programs, I'm looking at many different success stories from people in all walks of life. I want to find out what makes them tick, how they overcame adversity to keep on going, and I want to extract those magical nuggets of wisdom so that you too can implement the secrets of success into your own life. In this episode, I'm speaking with Liam Naden. Liam has been studying success for many years and he's gone from being a millionaire to losing everything to becoming homeless in his mid-40s. Wow. He then rebuilt his life in, much, in a much better way and he discovered that the key to his success is using his brain differently. In this episode, he's going to explain how the brain actually works. He says there are four parts and how to use the machinery to get the results you really want in your life. This is going to be an amazing show, talking about overcoming adversity and then gaining success with a mixture of science, psychology and personal experience. So first, let's bring in the great man himself to find out more about what he did. Welcome to the show, Mr. Liam Naden. Hey, Liam, how Hi, are you Jeff. today? Good, thank you. Thank you very much for having me on your show. This is going to be very exciting. Great stuff. Well, Liam, it sounds to me like you've been through hell and back, come out of the other side and gone on to achieve some amazing things in your life. But before we get into your secrets of success, tell me about your childhood. I know you were born in New Zealand. That's a long way away from anybody. Uh, what was life like for you as a child growing up? Well, it was really um, where I first started to explore this whole idea of, of what are the secrets to success because I was always very driven, as, even as a child, with the question, how can I have a great life? How can I be happy? How can I be successful? I probably didn't use those words when I was a child, but I was brought up in a religious family back okay. in New Zealand. We're a, a Catholic family, and I, was the, I am the eldest of eight children. And I remember, <clears throat> excuse me, hearing from an early age what, what I was believed then was the secret of success, which is you, ask, you figure out what you want and then you ask God. You pray to God, ask for what you want, and you'll get it. And I thought, okay. well, that sounded fair. <clears throat> and I actually remember when I was about probably about 10 years of age thinking, well, I probably didn't think this specifically, but I thought, I'm going to test God on this idea. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to early morning mass at 7 o'clock in the morning in the middle of winter every day for a month and ask for something, <clears throat> excuse me, pray for something. And I can't quite remember what it was. It was something like I wanted to win a competition at school or something like that. 
But I thought, no, if this works, my teachers, my parents, the, the church are telling me, uh, ask and you will receive. So I did this, and I went every day for a month to Mass. I even got in the local church newsletter as this young boy who's so religious. You know? <laughs> and anyway, but at the end of it, I, did I didn't know. get... <laughs> yeah, that's right. But I didn't get what I wanted, so... Um, it started to probably sow a few seeds of doubt about whether this idea of prayer actually really worked. And as I got older, I noticed my parents, my teachers, and the other people in the church, if I was really honest, they didn't seem to be any more successful than anyone else I knew or knew of. I mean, they still had problems, they still had stress, and they didn't seem to be that happy a lot of the time. So that sort of led me away from religion to into a succession, really, of a whole lot of different approaches, but all with the, the purpose of answering this question, how can I be the best that I can be? How can I be successful? How can I be in control of my life and really be happy at the, at the end of the day? How old were you when you started this line of questioning? Um, well, consciously, probably in my late teens, early 20s, um, but before that, as I say, I was I was asking the question without realising it. Yeah, but I was I was always pretty driven. Um, so, and after I uh, after the Catholic religious experience, I thought, well, what's next? And my parents said to me, well, you know, if you want to be successful, what you really need to do is get an education, go to university, get a degree, become an expert on something. And then, you know, that's, then you'll be able to get a really good job and you'll, be, you'll have uh, credibility and, and all of those things. So I actually did that and I went to university and I studied music, uh, classical music, for seven years. And okay. I got a master's degree and a, and a few other things and I became, you know, pretty good at my specialist area. And although I really enjoyed it, it was wonderful, but... I remember thinking my teachers, my professors, the, the other people, these people, they know a lot. They've got a lot of knowledge, but they're not, if anything, they're, they're actually not very happy at all. You know, their education hasn't been the vehicle for, the, for super happiness. They've still got stress. They've still got problems. And I still had stress and problems. So I thought, well, maybe that's not the answer either. So do you want to know what I moved on to next? <laughs> sure. Well, I'm, I'm trying to understand now, piece together. Do you see a difference then between success and happiness? I don't now. And I think this is, and, and a lot of this has come from my own research, <clears throat> which is what I do now. You mentioned it, my focus is on how our brain works. And it turns out that we have a biological purpose and our biological purpose is to be successful because, you know, you ask any biological scientist, what is the purpose of life? Your life, all life, all species of life on the planet. And it turns out we, we all have a biological purpose and they will all tell you that the sole purpose biologically of life is to survive and create more life so that the species continues. So in other words, the success of the species is, de is dependent on your success because the more you're able to survive, the more you're able to play your part in the survival of the species. So what is biological survival? It's literally being the best that you can be because when you're the best that you can be, 
that's what gives you the greatest chance for your survival. You're your best physically, you're best, you know, you, you, so you fight off disease, you fight, you heal from disease and injury more effectively. But also when you're your best mentally and emotionally and spiritually, that gives you the greatest chance for survival as well, because that's when you're, you're, you're most resourceful, you're most creative, you're, the, you're most able to contribute not only to your own success or your own survival, but to the comfort and, and therefore survival of other people. So, and of course, when you're at your best mentally, spiritually, and emotionally, that's when you're happy. That's the definition of mental and emotional success is being happy. So on a, in a really um, tangible way, our purpose is to be happy biologically. And, and that is what success is, I think. Oh, fascinating. From a biological point of view. Fascinating yeah. answer. Fascinating. You know, <laughs> I, I um, usually have a joke with my friends. You meet, you meet someone super rich and they've got this fantastic car, the big house and the helicopter and the yacht and all of these things. And, and I go, yeah, but are they really happy? <laughs> so, well, happiness is different for everybody. And um, I'm sure we'll, yeah. we'll, there's a biological definition for your individual happiness as well, which oh, I don't, we can cover a bit later. If you yeah, like. yeah, we'll come on to that. We'll come on to that. So success and happiness uh, work very much in harmony for you. So you were born into a Catholic family. You had this Catholic experience which you... Uh, didn't quite align with by the sound of it. You went to then university, you got educated, you had a master's degree in music. Did you play an instrument? Yes, the organ and the harpsichord. Ah, wow. Well. Same for me. I'm also a keyboard player, or I was really? a keyboard player. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah, so okay. I, I ended up being a session musician and then found out it became a job and I didn't love it anymore. But... You did your university, right. you got your master's, then what Then what happened? Well, then somebody told me, I think it was uh, one of my uncles who was pretty rich. <laughs> he said to me, look, look, if you want to be happy, if you want to be successful, you need to set up your own business. Get into business for yourself, earn lots of money, and then you'll be able to have and do the things, the money to do the things you want to do. Okay, and so did that you sounded pretty good advice. Yeah, I certainly did. What and did you I do? got into actually set up my own wine business, okay. in, importing and retailing. I had some wine shops, and uh, in Auckland, in New Zealand. Yeah, and I absolutely loved it. I loved the whole the whole thing that surrounds wine. I don't drink wine anymore, but I used to uh, enjoy it a lot, and uh, I was very successful at it. And it it did give me a lot of freedom. I did earn a lot of money. It was a very good business that I set up. But one thing I noticed through all of that was I had lots of problems and stress. You know, business, put it this way, I didn't have any fewer problems than I'd already had as a student. <laughs> I, I seemed to have a lot more problems in business. Mm -hmm. And sure, I was achieving great things on the outside and doing things and, you know, travel and things that I like to do and living in a nice house making lots of money, but I had lots of stress. And I got to the point of thinking, maybe this is what, what uh, success is. is. Maybe this comes with the territory, that you have to have stress and problems. But I really didn't enjoy this roller coaster that seemed to be, no matter where I was, there was still stress and problems in my life. I thought, oh, well, that's, maybe this is just the way it goes. You know, maybe it's the price you pay for success, as it were. 
Okay, at, at that point, Liam, I mean, so far it seems like you've been looking for something and searching for something and not yet found it. Would that be accurate? Did you Absolutely. Know, did you know what you were looking for or were you just expecting something to majestically appear and say, ah, this is it? Or, or did you not know what you were looking for? Well, I think I was looking for what everybody's looking for, which is to be happy. We, and, and I think one of the problems with the way we've set up society or the way most people are, are going down this track is with, we don't realise that we're looking for happiness. Because remember, that is our purpose for being here, is to be happy on a biological level, because that is being biologically successful. But what we don't realise is that we set all these goals and we have this picture of what we think we need to make us happy and what we think will make us happy. And we tend to chase those rather than happiness itself. So we go after the, the money and the and the big the business, you know, creating a big business and having earning more money and having a good relationship and and really setting all of these goals to achieve all of these things. But we don't actually want those things at all. What we want is what we think that will give us, and what we think it will give us is feeling good, is feeling happy, is feeling freedom, feeling in control of your life, feeling successful. Okay. So I was like everybody else and thinking, I need to sit down and figure out what I need. I'm gonna, I need to write some goals down and, and push and struggle and bust through all opposition and do whatever it takes to achieve these goals because then I'll be happy. Okay. But of I, course, I, I want to come even when I, I achieve those. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Even when you achieve them, you were not happy. I get that. So That's the thing. Yeah, yeah. sure. So. I want to go to the other side of your life that dealt you a good helping of real unhappiness. You lost everything. Your life crashed and you're in your mid-40s. Everything is gone. You don't have a home anymore. What was that like? Well, at the time, it was pretty stressful. <laughs> Turned out to be the best thing that ever happened to me, of course. And... Um, can explain why that is because it's what I, it, it's the it's really what was the catalyst for me learning what real success is and how to achieve it. I think from from my perspective, both for myself and the work I do to help others. But it, it was pretty. The, the really surprising thing about losing everything was not that it well two things. One that it had happened at all because the other thing I didn't share with you is after doing the business thing and still trying to figure out how to be happy, I went down through a whole lot of different avenues to, to try and become more successful. So I went down the whole, whole rabbit hole of personal development, personal growth, self-improvement. I went to seminars all around, of the, all around the world. I read books and I went, did courses and I listened to hypnotic tapes and I did affirmations. I went to goal-setting work, workshops and worked out how to set, set goals I did, um, you know, work on changing my beliefs and my subconscious mind and reprogramming and doing an enormous amount of these things. Then I went down the spiritual track as well and learned meditation and techniques for the law of attraction and attracting what you want and getting in harmony with the universal spirit and all those sorts of things. I noticed again with all of those things, I've still had a lot of stress and problems in my life. And I noticed that everybody else 
they didn't like the people in the church and like, you know, people at, at university. They weren't much different to anybody else. They still had all this stress and problems and it wasn't making that much of a difference. So when I lost everything in my mid-40s, the first thing that struck me was surprise because I thought, this shouldn't have happened to me. I know how to be successful. I, I know how to set goals. I know how to be in control of my thoughts. I know how to work on my subconscious mind. How could this possibly have happened to me? It's, it didn't make any sense. And the other thing that didn't make any sense to me at the time was I had no clue what to do to, to get out of it because I'd lost all my income, all of my businesses, all of my assets. You know, I had to move back into my, my, mother, my elderly mother's smaller, small flat and sleep on the couch in her living room. And she even paid for my food. You know, she was in her late 60s. <laughs> so uh, she still had, she had to go out to work to pay for my food. That's how bad it was. Wow. But I remember thinking, I don't know what to do to get out of this. I, because I've lost everything and all my prospects, if you like. And she lived in a town that I hadn't been to for many years, so I didn't know anybody either. Um, I thought, I don't know how to get out of this. And that's even more strange given that I've got all of this information on success and all of these techniques and ideas and strategies and processes. And yet I'm still, my mind comes up with a blank on what to do. So that was probably, you know, even, even though the couch wasn't that comfortable to sleep on, it was the mental um, confusion, if you like, as to why it had happened to me and what on earth I was going to do to get out of it. I didn't have a clue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What kind of state of mind were you in? How dark was your darkness? What thoughts well, were you thinking? Well, I actually ended up thinking the best thought of all, which was I give up. And I can explain later how the brain works to what that actually means. But I didn't realize at the time that I was starting to use my brain in a different way. And that's what really sent my life because when I back-engineered what had happened to me, this is what I realized, it sent my life in a quite a different direction. Okay. Um, but, it, you know, it was, it was not pleasant, <laughs> put sure. it that way at the time. So you're lying and on people this. ringing up and wanting money that I didn't have and, you know, all these, these, these problems coming at me and dealing with people who turned out to be who I thought were friends or people that certainly weren't, weren't against me, turning into enemies and throwing all these accusations at me and, doing all these things, you know, it was, yeah, it was pretty, uh, pretty dark times. Yes, indeed. So you're lying on the sofa and you say, that's it. I give up. But you didn't give up. Something happened. You said you were using your brain in a different way. At that stage, you didn't realize it. So how did you get away from the uncomfort of these thoughts and the discomfort of the sofa. What happened? Well, things started to improve. So, one of the what sort of started to happen was I started to meet people quite by chance who would say to me things like, "I need someone to help me do this in my business. Can you give me a hand?" Or somebody walked into a into a shop I was in once, and I hadn't seen this man in twenty years. He was one of my customers the wine business actually mm-hmm. and he said oh Liam he recognized me and he said um, you should do this why don't you set up a business doing that it's right near where I am and he said and it's it's available you can you can take over this premises and it's not very expensive and I thought yeah okay I'll do that so 
the difference was before I was I was looking and struggling and writing my goals and pushing to try and get success, if you like. Mm-hmm. But this time around, things started to show up. And it wasn't that I didn't put an effort, but the opportunities sort of came to me. I didn't have to go out there and look for them and struggle to find them and try and make things work when, you know, that was one of the, the mistakes I used to make in my previous life was trying to make things work and, and making bad decisions because I was stressed. Mm-hmm. And that's all to do with the brain as well. Sure. Um, which I learned. And um, so instead of doing all of that, things were working a lot more easily and, and a lot more and a lot better. And it wasn't without the struggle and stress. So that was what I that was how I really got out of the out of the dark times was success found me, if you like, or opportunities found me. I found a much better relationship than what I'd had previously. There was no drama or stress attached to that. A better relationship. You you say a better relationship. You mean a better relationship with yourself? A a new partner. Ah, okay. Yeah. So let me take you. Let me take you back before with the um, the idealistic version of external success. So you have this wine business. You're going all over the world. You're making lots of money, but you're still looking for more. So let me ask you, when you began in the wine business, you had your goals and objectives. And when you reached those goals and objectives, did you stop? Did you breathe, take air and celebrate those goals? Or did you just move on and want more? I just moved on and went more. Uh, sorry, okay. and wanted more. Yeah. That's the, and, that, and, you know, that again comes down to how, how we use our brain the wrong way because – how your brain works, and you probably know all this anyway, but just this is my explanation. The way your brain works, if you, if you build your, um, your desire, if you like, or things you want on fear, then you're never going to stop. You're going to keep going because you can never have enough. So, but the, and the other thing I wanted was every time I reached a goal, I didn't get what I really wanted, which was to feel happy and at peace and, mm-hmm. and not have stress and problems. So my solution at the time I thought, was, right, well, this hasn't got me to what I want. I need more. I need to, and if I get to, to there, then I'll have what I'm looking for. Then, ah, then I'll be able to relax. Yeah. I remember thinking once, you know, I said to myself, if I make X amount of money a year, oh, I'll be so happy. Life will be amazing if I can make that amount of money. And I made that amount of money, and I thought, my first thought after that, after I realized I made the money was, Oh, if I can only double it, then I'll be happy. Then I'll then every all my problems will go away, and you know, oh, that's the answer. And and eventually, I got the thought to thinking, how much do I need to make before I I get the feeling that I want? And I get rid of the problems. I get rid of the stress. I start feeling that I'm really in control of my life, doing what I love because I, I was doing a lot of what I love, but it, but problems and stress kept getting in the way of it. <laughs> You know, I which is the entrepreneur's I, curse. Yeah, I completely <laughs> understand that. I think when you have money like you've had and had the millions, you get to a point where you realize it's actually the money doesn't matter. There are other things in life that denote success for you. So right now then, Liam, having gone through all of that, you've come out of the other side, what did success look for, look like? for you at that time? 
Um, you mean just after I came out or a few years yeah, later? Yeah, you, you came out, you had a better relationship, uh, another person, you said. So what did success look like for you then? You seem a lot more chilled about things and life. Yeah, well, I was doing things. I started to get into uh, marriage and relationship coaching, which I still do a lot of. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, it's a quite a significant part of what I do, helping people in there with their problems in that area. Because one of the things I thought was, I'm I'm so useless at relationships. I've had so many bad <laughs> bad ones. Maybe I'd be good at helping other people to avoid my mistakes and my problems, and also learn what makes a great relationship and what the difference is. And I, because I had both, I thought I could really share this information from a practical level with, with others. So I set that up, and, I, and as I say, I still do that. And I do. I had another couple of uh, importing and distribution businesses, and I was doing some writing and, and, and various things. Um, and this was still when I was in New, in New Zealand. Um, and my partner and I, we developed a very free lifestyle. So for a couple of years, we went house-sitting around New Zealand. I think we moved 18 times in two years, just looking after other people's houses because we both started from nothing. I was starting from nothing. So even paying rent was a, was a struggle. And really, because most of what I did was online, we didn't need to be anywhere anyway. So we could travel around. Uh, then we bought a motorhome, uh, a very nice brand new luxury motorhome. We traveled around New Zealand for 18 months, explored the whole country, which was great. And then in 2014, we sold that and um, took a one-way ticket and a suitcase each to Europe. And that's where we've been ever since. Okay, cool. Sounds like you've moved around quite a lot and still moving, I gather. Okay, so let me take you back. You have this wine store. You're traveling the world then in the pursuit of happiness, looking for more. And you're setting goals and all of that stuff, but none of it's working for you. So setting goals is unnatural and sabotages your success. Why do you think that is? Well, it's to do with how your brain works. And um, when we get onto my model of how the brain works, it might become clearer. But the, but the biggest problem with goal setting, and I don't know how, what your philosophy on goal setting is, and I know this, I don't want to upset any, anybody's, uh, you know, their whole paradigm about, or maybe people are teaching about goal setting. But for me, and from, and from people I've talked to and worked with, and what I've come to understand about the brain, and also a lot of research that has recently been published and written about goal setting, the problem with goal setting is it's limiting. And the reason that it's limiting is because you're using a part of your brain to try and figure out what you want that is not designed to be used for that purpose. So you're trying to use your thinking part of your brain. There's actually four parts to your brain. But you're trying to use the thinking part of your brain to figure out what you need for happiness. And you can only ever know what or think that you know what you need to be happy based on your past experience, based on what you've heard. So if someone says to you, well, you need to set up your own business to be happy, like I did, or you need to be religious to be happy, like I did, or you need to, an education to be happy, you tend to take all of these ideas and formulate your goals around this information that you've already got. But that, as I found, is not only not where the answer lies, but it's going to lead you down the wrong track. And it's interesting, I interviewed, I have a podcast called Using Your Brain for Success, and most of it's just me talking, but I had one episode where I interviewed a man who 
really interesting man. He wrote a book called A Rich Man's Secret, Ken Roberts. I don't know if you've heard of him, but he had a business in the 1990s, I think. He, he had, he had a, a million customers. He had two private jets. He was traveling all around the world, making tons of money, and he never set any goals. And I said, why was that? And he said, I could never have written any of this on a goals list that I was this successful. So if I'd had a goals list, all it would have done was limit me. So in short, the biological explanation for why goals don't often work, and it, you know, we, we tend to think everybody's setting goals and everybody's achieving goals. That's not true. Everyone's setting goals, but very few people actually achieve them. And if you'd ask most people, what percentage of the goals that you set do you achieve? They would say it's quite a low number. So it doesn't, to be really honest, it doesn't actually work. And the reason it doesn't work is, as I say, you're using the wrong part of your brain when you're setting goals. And you're trying to get something that you don't even know that you want. And the part of your brain that you're using, there's no way it can know that that's what you want anyway. And yet it's probably wrong. Mm -hmm. Okay. We're going to come on how the brain works in a moment. I just want to put a summary on what you said there. So I would say that... Most people are not successful with setting goals. But in my experience, I think it's because people do not know properly how to set goals. And that might lead into nicely what you're going to talk about now, which is how your brain works. So let's see if we can get some synergy across onto that. So... How does your brain work? You tell me there are four parts. The floor is yours. Okay. Well, you know, when I tried to figure out what I was doing differently, why my life was working a lot better than it had been, um, I, said, I, I, I said to myself, things are working a lot better. I'm doing things I really enjoy. Opportunities are finding me. And I was doing travel, I was doing things that I loved, I was earning the money I needed and, and wanted, really, to do what I wanted to do. And I thought, I need to figure out what I'm doing differently, because it is different. And I don't want to stop doing it. I need to know what I'm doing differently, because this is working. This is so much better than all those stressful days. Because the other thing that was happening to me, to me in this post-crisis uh, life was, I didn't have stress and problems. I really didn't. And you know, obviously, there's the odd challenge or thing you have to figure out, little thing you have to do. But this this cycle of being stressed all the time and, and just dealing with problems and, and struggling and feeling unhappy, it just wasn't there anymore. And I was starting to feel really happy. So as I said, I said, I need to figure out what I'm doing differently. And because I had all of this ton of information from all of these different areas, I thought, well, I need to try and pull this together and work out what, you know, if any of this stuff worked or what it is about it that would work or whatever it is, I need to get, find out what's really going on here. So I thought, well, I'm going to start with ba the basics and I'm going to start with a really basic question. It's the place to start. The most obvious question, who am I and why am I here? Oh, yeah, thought, that's, well, really, yeah. that's really basic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Really simple, easy question. And I know there have been <laughs> countless books written yeah. on it. But one thing I realised and one of the great things about this, because I was in a much better mental state, I was able to find answers to things more easily. And, and again, that's the clue on how your brain works. But anyway, I thought, well, 
the thing that occurred to me is we've all got, everybody's got a different idea of who we are and why we're here, and there's all sorts of different philosophies and everything like that. But there's one thing we can agree on, which I hinted at earlier, is that we're biological beings. We live in a physical body. We're part of a, a physical biological species. So I thought the place to start is who am I and, what, and why am I here from a biological perspective? That's a place to start. And as I mentioned earlier, it turns out you're here for one specific biological purpose, and that's to be the best that you can be. Remember, you know, to survive and thrive and, and help with the survival of the species. So I thought, well, that, that makes total sense. Now, the next thing that makes sense is, well, if that's the case, how have we been set up to achieve that? Because we can't just be thrown into this world not to achieve that. There must be a biological mechanism or setup or system that enables us or, or helps us to be the best that we can be and live our biological purpose. And it turns out there is a tool that we've all been given to do that, and it's the human brain. This is the tool, the instrument, the machine that we've been given, whose sole purpose is not only to keep us alive, but to make sure that we're the best that we can be so that we can live out our biological purpose. And that makes a lot of sense. And you can, and people go, oh, yes, well, I know about the brain and it does this and it keeps your body, you know, healthy and all that. But here's the thing. It also must keep you, it must be designed to keep you mentally, spiritually and emotionally at your best as well because that's part of being the best that you can be and, and most able to survive. And that means your brain must be designed to make you happy. It must be designed to do whatever it needs to do to give you the best chance of being happy. And it, the funny thing is, it not only can do that, that's exactly what it does. Because the other thing that you, we need to realize is just how powerful our brain is. We've never been taught anything about the power of our brain, because if we realized that, we'd put everything aside and just want to focus on learning about how to use this thing. You know, there was an experiment done um, a few years ago in Japan they took the fourth largest supercomputer at the time called the Fujitsu K computer. And they carried out an experiment and they compared what the human brain, a process that the human brain does in one second, just one process, and they, just, and they, they, they used it on this computer to see how long it would take the computer to do this one thing. It takes the human brain one second, it took the supercomputer 40 minutes to do it. So... They're just and, and we do millions of things per second, not just one thing. So we don't understand how powerful the brain is. It has more than 100 billion of these things called neuron cells with the number of connections between other cells that is the number one followed by a million zeros. That's how many things, potential things that can go on our brain um, at any time. So, of course, with all this power, which is vastly more powerful, as I say, than any computer's, it has the power to do what it's supposed to do, which is to bring you the life, to do its job, to make sure you, that you're the best that you can be. Okay. But here's the other thing I learned as I started to get into the thing about the brain, is that it is actually just a machine, and it operates like any other machine. And what happens with a the machine? There's several things. Firstly, it, if, if it does, it's, it has a specific job to do. It's a bit like a motor car. You know, you know a motor car is a, a, a machine. And its specific job is to get you from where you are to where you want to go, where you decide to go. Now, you don't question that. 
you know that, well, if you use it the right way, it'll, it'll take me there and it'll be comfortable, enjoyable, safe and predictable. That's it. That's what it's designed to do. You also know that if you want to do that, with, if you want to use that machine, you have to learn how to drive it. You can't just get into a car not knowing how to drive it and expect it to do its job. And this is what, and maybe you might get into a car and you go, I don't know how to drive this. I've never seen a car before, but I've heard that it would take me from, you know, 100 miles down the road. Uh, okay, so what do I do? Um, oh, well, it's got wheels. I know what I'll do. This is the logical thing to do. I'm going to get out and I'm going to push it. And I'm going to put all of my energy and I'm going to be so motivated and determined and I will reach that destination and I'm going to push it as hard as I can. And it doesn't work, it doesn't work that way, does it? No, and indeed. Especially when the brakes are on. You, well, that's the thing. The brakes are on. And then you say to yourself, the problem is me. I'm not strong enough. I'm not determined enough. I'm going to build up my muscles and become stronger so I can push that car even harder. Now, if we just realize, and all that sounds nonsensical, but if we would say, well, that's ridiculous. Why do you think you can get a car to do what it does if you haven't learned how to drive it? But here's the thing. The brain's the machine. Who's ever taught us how to drive that? Who's ever taught us how that works? And what happens when we don't know how it works? We end up with problems in our life because problems with any machine are simply the result of using it the wrong way. You know, if you use your computer the wrong way, you're going to end up with problems. If, okay. you, if you try and drive a car with the wrong fuel in it and the handbrake on, you're going to hurt, harm the car, aren't you? So that's the analogy between the human brain and a car or any other machine. You need to learn how to drive it. And when you do, it's going to do its job of getting you to where you want to go enjoyably, without problems, and doing what it's supposed to do. Okay. And really, that's how it works. Right. So a wonderful analogy. So let's move it on now. How do we use our brain to deliver the success that we want in our lives? All right. Well, the, the, the fundamental, you know, I've done a lot of research on this in, in, in various areas to bring this all together into what I is a simple model, really. And there's lots of scientific words about all these things, but I've broken it down quite simply to explain there are four parts to your brain. The first part is the one we already talked about, which is the thinking brain, the thinking part of your brain, and that's on your top of your head. It's called the neocortex, amongst other things. But the purpose of that part of your brain is to gather all of the information from your experience, from your environment, which comes from your five senses and also your thoughts and ideas, and store all that information in there. So it's like a library or a database of all of the information that you've gathered in your life. And, and that's, this part of your brain also enables you to communicate and understand and communicate with others through you being able to recognize what all this information is. So that's the thinking brain. The second part of your brain is just located just under the thinking part, and that's the, the emotional brain, the feeling brain. This is the part that's responsible for generating signals to your body in the way of hormones that create feelings. Cool. So it can make, this is what makes you feel good or makes you feel bad and stressed. All of that is responsible and controlled and directed by the emotional feeling brain. Okay. The third part is at the back of your head, and this is your survival brain. And this handles everything really that you don't think about you know, to keep you surviving. So your heart rate, sorry, heart rate, your breathing, your, all the organs that functioning, digestion, all of those things. And it has one other very important function as a survival brain. 
And that is on the very rare occasion that something comes at, at you in your environment that turns out to be a threat to your survival or a danger or that could harm you, what kicks in from your survival brain is this instinct to react and, and fight off the danger. And that's sometimes called the fight, flight, freeze response. Mm. Yeah, I want to come this back to that. From, yeah, because that's a very important yeah. one. And the fourth part of the brain. What's the okay, part? so we un- you understand the this is the, the this is generated by the survival brain. Yeah. Well, the fourth part of the brain, <clears throat> and this is relatively more recently that science, scientists have started to discover this is actually physically located in your brain, but it's a very important function. It's the most important function. It's what I call the creative brain, and this is where everything. It's not from your thoughts, but it's where your imagination, your creativity, your intuition, it's where you get gut feelings and gut instincts about whether something's right or not. It's where your motivation comes from. It's where you carry through and you do the right, make the right decisions and you act on them and you don't act on the wrong decisions. Okay. So, so, you, so you're saying then we have to work these four components of the brain in synergy and with harmony with each other. Well, in a particular way. Okay. But there's one more, one other function of the creative brain. Remember, we, the brain is infinite, infinitely powerful, effectively infinitely powerful. So what from one level in our life appears to be coincidence, luck, random events, from, the perspective, from a higher perspective is not luck. It is all planned and organized by our creative brain. So our creative brain actually brings to us, it doesn't just get you doing the right things, it literally brings to you the right circumstances, people, situations that are, that are going to enable you to live your biological purpose, which is to be the best that you can be. So it's the creative brain that deals with that, that solves problems, stops you creating problems for yourself and bringing to you everything that you need to be the best version of yourself. Okay. So, these are the four parts, yeah. Yeah, so let's talk about the opposite of that then, the one we spoke about earlier, the part at the back of your head, which is the fight or flight fear, because this is the opposite of the creative one, and probably, probably the most damning in the achievement of our success and happiness. So let's talk a little bit more about that part of the brain, fear, fight, flight, how does it affect us and our behavior? Okay. Well, if we first accept that our natural state, I call it our natural creative state, is to be in the state that is run by our creative brain, where we get the right ideas, the right people and circumstances come to us, we make the right decisions, we take the right actions, we can see the big picture about what to do. If that's our natural state, and it is, then there's what... There's only one time you're not supposed to be in that natural state, and that's when you're faced with an immediate threat or danger. So the, in prehistoric times, the lion rushes out of you of the forest. So what happens in those very unusual situations where you're faced with an immediate danger, what your brain actually does is your emotional brain, in a, in a, I explain this in a lot more detail in my, my program coaching but anyway what actually happens your emotional brain is like the decision maker of your environment all the time so all of this information that's coming at you from your environment that's being being um, interpreted by your thinking brain your emotional brain takes that and it makes a decision as to whether what's happening 
is safe for you or dangerous for you. Mm -hmm. And if it's safe for you, it releases these hormones, these neurotransmitters as a signal. Everything's fine. Body, keep working, doing all your thing. Creative brain, keep doing your thing, running the show, making sure you're being the best you can be. And it creates a state which science calls homeostasis, which is the, the perfect functioning of the organism. And that's when you're in the zone, when you're in the flow, when you're feeling good and you're feeling happy and in control of your life. But when the lion runs at you through the forest, your emotional brain says, hang on, this is a danger. This is an immediate danger and threat to your survival. And what it actually does is it sends a different signal, different set of hormones and neurotransmitters that make you feel fear and anxiety and stress. And that creates a completely different function in your brain. It activates something called the sympathetic nervous system. And what happens when you activate the sympathetic nervous system is that all of that creative brain is shut down. Anything that's not helpful to deal with this immediate threat and danger is blocked off. And all of the energy that would otherwise, <clears throat> excuse me, otherwise be used for that is brought to dealing with this, this immediate danger. So on a physical level, what happens <clears throat> is your heart rate, heartbeat, heart rate rises, your breathing quickens, you start to perspire, and you're ready for action, and you take action to, automatically to overcome this fear. But on a mental and emotional um, level, what happens <clears throat> is your brain blocks out anything other than negative focus on what's in your environment. So it blocks off all your creativity, all of your resourcefulness, all of your big picture thinking. And it, because none of those things are helpful you, when you're facing an immediate threat. You know, if a lion's running at you from the jungle, you can't be sort of comparing the, you know, looking at the trees and saying, listen, this is a beautiful world, or saying to yourself, maybe that's not a threat after all. Maybe, maybe I should think about this or come up with a strategic plan on the different alternatives to deal with the situation. None of that is helpful. It's the opposite. It's unhelpful. So your brain blocks all of that off, and it gets you focusing on anything that's negative in your environment and, and treating it as an immediate danger. Now, the problem for most people <clears throat> is pretty obvious, isn't it? That they're in a state of like this all of the time because what their emotional brain is telling them is whatever they're faced with in their world, in their life at any one time, is a threat to their survival. No, it's not. It's not a lion running at them. You know, your husband or your wife comes and tells you that they want a divorce. That's pretty traumatic, but it's not a threat to your survival. But your brain is telling you on, a, on a, a deeper level that it is, and that's why you feel fear. But when you activate the fear because you feel stressed and worried about what's going on in your environment, you block off the part of your brain that can actually solve your problems because your problem-solving, big-picture, creativity, imagination, awareness, the right people and circun circumstances, they're all blocked off from, from your – you don't have access to those resources. All you can do is react. And that's what people do. So they shout at somebody or they get stressed or they sit down and try and become more determined to reach a goal. And they don't know what the goal is, but they're, they're, they're going to fight it or they pray or they do all these things. And they're all based on fear and none of them provide the solution. And of course, that's what I realized was the difference between me now and me then was I was living in this fear state and I was trying to force solutions rather than allow this infinite part of my brain to show me what it is I really wanted, what it was that I really needed to give me what I really wanted, which is to be happy and in control of my life, which is my purpose. And I was blocking off its ability to, get, to show me what to do. 
okay. and to give me the motivation to do it. Right. Let me see if I can put that in a practical context. So we spoke earlier about goals and how the traditional or perceived method of setting goals doesn't work for many people and why they uh, fail to achieve them. So let me try and uh, simplify, if I may, what you've just said uh, very articulately, is that when we set goals, not only do we have our creative brain to say, wow, this is what we want, also we have the the fear part of our brain coming in and saying, ah, well, you won't be able to do that because of this. So we get fear and we get doubt. And once that starts to happen, the creative side switches off because we've got this immediate threat. And our brain uh, is wired, if you will, or our preferences to deal with the immediate threat or the worry and when we do that, we're taken off what is possible to be achieved and we focus on the stuff that we don't want. And guess what? That's why many goals don't work and many things manifest in their life about things that we don't want because that's what people are focusing on. Would that be accurate? Well, actually, it's rather simpler than that. Wonderful. And it's based on faith. Yeah. It's based because the, the truth is, you you know, and this might be controversial, you don't actually need to have any goals at all. Because if you've got a part of your brain that knows what you want and you don't know what you want and it knows how to bring it to you, all you need to do is just relax and see what shows up and act in a in a mindful way that we, we you're operating, you're, you're, you know you're making the right decision, you're you're avoiding making the wrong decision. And you do the right things when it's not based on fear. Because even being attached to an outcome is, is fear-based. If you say, I know everything's perfect is going to happen. My brain, this infinite machine, is, is going to bring me everything I need. I don't need to figure it out. I don't need to set a goal. I don't even need to work towards it. It'll all show up. At the, everything will happen at exactly the right time. So anything other than that is based on fear. So even, you know, people say, well, this is my goal and I really want to achieve it. There's really two types of goal. One is based on fear, where you hope that you will achieve it, and, but you don't really know that you will. And there's another type of goal where once in a while, you just know you're going to achieve something. So you, you, you look at, you meet somebody and you just know, I'm going to marry this person. I'm, I, this is the person I'm going to have my children with. You just know it. Now, you didn't set that as a goal before you met them. This goal showed up. Or you walk into a house and you go, this house is three times my budget, but I'm going to buy it. I'm going to live here. And you, just, and you don't know how. You, don't know what, you have no clue on how you're going to achieve it. But there's something about you that just says, you are, this is going to happen. So when those sorts of goals are fine. They're the goals you should have. But the thing about those goals is you can't manufacture them. You can't, you can't have one of those show up at any other time than when it shows up. Both of those things have happened to me, by the way. And they're the goals. If you're going to have goals, have those sort, because they're not based on fear. You might be like, well, I don't know how I'm going to get it, but it doesn't matter because you know that whatever miracles, if you like, they're going to happen. So I think there's a big problem with, with this trying to set goals because the truth is 
it's a bit like put it another way if you knew if, if somebody else came along and you and you i don't know people call it god maybe but if you really believed there was somebody out there who knew everything that you not only knew what you wanted to be happy but it would get it for you why would you even bother to try and figure anything out and this is this gentleman i interviewed i was talking about you know his his big philosophy in life is take the first step take the next step and the next one will be revealed that's all you need to do that's all he did and built up this massive business and and he's he's written books and things about it as well and it turns out that is the process of how your brain is designed to work because what does it say in the bible this is what i learned as a as a child the bible's the best success manual on how to use or the best instruction manual on how to use your brain that is it says give no thought for tomorrow for tomorrow will take care of itself do not worry about the future you about what you shall eat drink or wear this will all be given to you and it also says more than 360 times be not afraid have no have no fear have faith that's the instruction manual for your brain it doesn't say sit down and write out your goals and i'll give them to you it says you don't even need to have goals the right thing will be given to you and that is the right way of using your brain that's using the the infinite power of your brain rather than the limited power of you trying to figure it out and this was the difference between me later and me earlier is when i said i give up i don't know what to do what i didn't realize is i i switched my brain to saying will you figure out what to do i give up i'm not attached to any outcome can't get any worse <laughs> so whatever happens oh well just it'll happen and then i released my fear and worry about what was going to happen in the future and then i was able to move from a fear based brain to my natural more natural state and that's when thing the miracles started to show up and that is actually how life works that is how our brains design we're not supposed to struggle and try and figure things out and and struggle to achieve things because here's the other thing if you knew say one of your children i just wrote something about this recently one of your children comes up at 6:00 in the evening and says can i have an ice cream please and you say well i'm just about to serve dinner Oh, but please can I have an ice cream? No, you can't have an ice cream. Oh, but I'm asking you for an ice cream. Well, I'm not going to give you an ice cream. Why? Because I know that it's not right for you. And it doesn't matter how much you plead, how much you beg, how much you are nice to them and how much you say, "Oh, but I'll eat my dinner after the ice cream." They know that it's not right for you. You think the child thinks it's right for you, but the, but the but the higher intelligent person, the parent, you know it's not right for them. So there's a part of your brain, you're like the child, your thinking brain only knows what it knows it's like the child but the the creative part of your brain knows what's right for you and what isn't so that's why if you try and figure out what you want your brain if it does if your creative brain here's the other thing i learned if your creative brain knows it's not right for you it's going to do everything it can to make sure you don't achieve it so it's going to bring you problems it's going to bring you stress it's going to make it a struggle because it's trying to say to you this is the wrong goal this is not what you want So I'm going to do everything I can to talk you out of it. Okay. And then then when that happens, it can bring you a goal or it might not. But you'll know in every moment what to do, the right thing to do because it's that's the part that's driving your life. That's the part that that governs your organism if you like. It's not your thoughts. Okay, let's bring this in a practical context, Liam. So there might be someone listening right now who's trying their best to deal with a problem. and in your experience Liam what's the easiest and quickest way to go about solving problems in our life 
give up trying to solve the problem. I know it sounds bizarre, but one of the ways to do that is to say, well, what? why am I trying to solve this problem? What does it matter? You know, my marriage and relationship coaching, I work with a lot with people who they're trying to heal their marriage because they're afraid of what they think might happen if it ended. So they're afraid of the consequence of not achieving their goal. But once you really start working through this and realizing that it's these fears that you have of not achieving your goal or what you think will happen if you don't, that they're not real. They're not true. Because, you know, say if your goal is to is to get out of debt or make a lot of money or 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 have a or heal your marriage. You know, if your if your husband or wife says they want a divorce, well, what happens if you don't? And people think their fears are that they'll be on their own, that no one will love them, love them. They'll be homeless and penniless and all of those things, and they'll be a failure. They'll think they're a failure. Other people will think they're a failure. These are all these fears that they put in their brain, and their brain is telling them, therefore, because then they're in a fear state, that that's what's going to happen. But none of those things are true at all. So it's a, I know it sounds a little bit, uh, I don't know what the word is, maybe glib or clever to say that if you've got a problem, you should. what you need to realize is you need to get rid of any fear that's attached to that problem. Because when, as I said before, if you've got fear attached to it, you're not going to solve it anyway because you're blocking off the problem-solving part of your brain. And, I mean, you're, you do coaching don't you, where, you you know, people come to you and say, I've got this problem. You can see exactly what they should do. And you say, this is what you need to do. You can do this with friends, you know, somebody having a problem in their marriage and, and they come and say, oh, you know, my wife, I don't know, we don't get on and she's really grumpy and we have all these arguments and she doesn't treat me well. You can see what they should do. You should, and you say to them, get a divorce, go and find someone else. You know, you've, you've been struggling. It's, she's not right for you. You can see the answer, but they can't. And they say to you, oh, no, I'm going to fight for this marriage and I'm going to struggle and I'm, we're going to go to counselling and it's just a question of me learning how to communicate better and do all of these things. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't do that, if, but there are certain situations where, where that's not appropriate, so it's not going to help. And they can't see it, what to do, and they're not motivated to do it, and it's not because they don't want to, it's because their brain in a fear state is blocking their ability to see the solution. So in other words, if you want to solve a problem, you've got to find a way to get rid of, a, rid of the fears that are attached to it so you can unlock the part of your brain that can solve the problem. And then, I don't know about you, I'd rather use that infinite resource to, to do it a lot more easily than me struggling to try and figure it out and, and do it. For sure. So, Liam, if someone wants to reach out to, to you to find out more about this amazing intelligence, how do they contact you? Uh, it's all on my website, Liam, which is just my name, liamnaden.com. Great. Well, you've been fantastic. Thank you very much for today. I've loved it. It's truly fascinating. I'll probably come back for more. Uh, thank you, Liam. You've been amazing. Thank you. And thank you for listening to The Secrets of Success. I hope you've enjoyed the show. I hope it's helped you to ignite your passion be a catalyst for action and giving you the fuel you need to realize your dreams if you enjoyed the show please hit the like button leave a review and share it it really does make a huge difference because without your help we can't succeed so please go ahead like review follow and share on another note i'm always searching for great success stories and if you'd like to be a guest on the show or you'd like to nominate a guest 
please contact me at jeff-smith.com. I'd really love to hear from you. That's all from me. Thank you for listening and have a great day.